title of this morning's message is Majestic. Majestic, and I, and I titled it this because when we think of our nation being this July 4th weekend, it's, we think of the majesty of our nation, the great things God has done in our nation. And so the eagle is a representation of that, but it's also throughout the scriptures a representation of who you are. So stand with me this morning as we read Isaiah chapter number 40. Kicking it off in verse number 28, it says, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God? And after everything we've experienced the past month in our nation, why are you worried? <laughs> the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired and he will not grow weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to those who are weary. Say amen. amen. And he increases power of the weak. Say, that's me. And even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, he will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And I declare that that is us in the name of Jesus, Lord God. We will run and not grow weary in this race you've given us. We will walk and not faint in this lifestyle that you've placed us in. And so, God, in the name of Jesus, if you've placed us here alive in 2015, you've anointed us for the day of 2015. So I declare this morning we rise up in not just beauty, but powers and abilities to accomplish your work in the year 2015. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You can be seated this morning. Now, we, we've talked about several facts of the eagles throughout this series. And as we're halfway through this series, we know that eagles can fly at a rate of 65 miles an hour, soar at an altitude of 10,000 feet, spot animals for over three-mile square radius, and, 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 and catch their prey in their amazing creatures. They can carry um, about four pounds of weight in their claws when many of them only weigh about um, 14 pounds. Their nests uh, start out about four feet wide and two feet deep and can grow as big as uh, 10 feet wide and weigh as much as 4,000 pounds. And we're, we learned a little bit about the nest last week and we're going to learn a lot more about the nest next week and you don't want to miss next week's message. I'm guaranteeing that. And so this morning we're going to talk about the eagles, one of the most majestic birds that fly the air, but not just in beauty but also abilities. The word majestic is characterized as this, possessing majesty, lofty, digni uh, dignity, or an imposing aspect, stately and grand. And so I want to refer to those terms as not the bird, but you. Not the bird, but you. And so I want to encourage you this morning that you possess majesty when Jesus Christ is on the inside of you because you don't just serve the king of kings. You have the king of kings living inside of you. And if you ever wondered what king of kings meant, it meant he is the king of kings. Right? He is the king of kings, not the king of peasants, not the king of paupers, not the king of broken down, beat up people, but he is the king of kings. And so he doesn't just have majesty, he's shared his majesty with you. And so we must begin to walk in this newfound confidence that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to read a ton of scripture this morning. And so everybody say, I love buffets. <laughs> All right, you never go to a restaurant and complain about there being too much food out there, so you should never come to church and complain about there being too much scripture in the message. Can I get an amen? amen. And because we believe the word of God will last forever, as the word of God itself says. And I want to start off in Exodus chapter number 
15 and starting in verse number 9 this morning as I read a little bit. And this is talking about after the, the Israelites had left the, the Egypt and a lot of people are in distress about our nation. But I can encourage you in this. If God can bring a nation that's been in 400 years of slavery and make them the poorest nation on earth one day to the richest nation on earth the next day, I don't know why you're worried about America because God can do a work in our nation in 24 hours that can transform the world. Amen. And so we need to be believing for that, not wallowing in the pity of what you may think has happened in this past week. And so I want to encourage you in this and listen to what the word of God says in Exodus chapter 15, verse 9. The enemy boasted, I will pursue God's people and I will overtake them and I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them and I will draw my sword and my hand and I will destroy them, God's people. But you, O God, blew with your breath and covered them with the sea and they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord, in all caps? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working in wonders? You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows up your enemies. In your unfailing love, oh, get that. In your unfailing love, you will lead your people, the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Now, come on, that's a verse of scripture we can stand on, amen? And I want to encourage you in this verse of scripture here, that if God is, if that's our God, and we declare that is my God who just did that, talking about an Old Testament people, but the New Testament says we are in a new covenant with new and better promises. If he did something amazing for them, what about God's people today? God can still do and will do something amazing today, but he's he's waiting on the king, not Jesus to do something, but the king of kings the kings to rise up and do something amen Amen. with kingship you've been given authority to accomplish God's work here in this earth and so with kingship you must begin to understand your position and I'm not going to spend long on this this morning because I spent two major messages on this last week's and the very first one we did about Ephesians 2 5 and 6 that said even when you were dead in your trespasses he made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved but not just saved it says by grace you have been saved and raised us up and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus So you're not just a king on this earth. You are a king in heavenly places next to the king of a bunch of other kings and rulers. Amen. And a lot of times people have a messed up concept of heaven. A lot of times we sit here thinking, oh, when Jesus comes back, we're just going to be up there worshiping God. In part, we will. But the Bible says a lot more than that. It says when you get up there, you will do a lot of worshiping, but you will be ruling and reigning. So the question is, what are we ruling and reigning over up there? You're the king, you are under the king of kings, so you're a king in this process. And I believe a lot of what you do here on this earth will dictate a lot of what you rule and reign over up there. And so I want to challenge you this morning to begin to rise up in your position, in, a, in the majestic position that God's given you. Now, redemption is a term that's thrown around in churches a lot. And, and I love what at church we have our own specific language, amen. And if a lost person comes in and I say, everybody say amen, everybody says? Amen. And the lost person is saying, what? <laughs> what does that mean? That's why I like to say, hey, if you like that, say, oh, yeah. <laughs> it just means you agree with it. Oh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> So we also have this word called redemption that most Christians have heard but truly don't know the real meaning of, but we've heard it enough to know that it's a good thing and we're familiar with it. But the lost person who may be in the room or the one who hasn't been to church or doesn't know Christ says redemption. What's redemption mean? 
Well, we were redeemed by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, and when God raised him from the dead, redemption occurred, and that means to bring back to an original state. It doesn't mean to bring in right standing with God. It means to bring back to an original state. And so when redemption occurred, God began to look at you just as he looked at as Adam in the Garden of Eden before the fall of man, clothed with the glory of God himself. The problem is we're still seated here, or so we think, instead of seated up here in heavenly places. So God's got a different perspective of you than you have of you. And so when redemption occurred, it means to bring back to an original state, and this was the original state. And God said in Genesis 1:26, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is what he's talking about. And so that means that's where God has redeemed you back to that place. But also, listen to what 1 Corinthians says in 1 Corinthians 15, 48 and 49. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. But, and as is the heavenly man, that's you, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, born again, so we will also bear the image of the heavenly man. Amen? So in this earth today, you're supposed to be bearing the image of Jesus Christ, the heavenly man. Amen? Not dead Jesus who died on the cross, but the live Jesus who is resurrected in power, who's soon and coming again, who I believe is just waiting for the call of God to say, go get him, baby. Yeah. And we watch God do something amazing. So we should bear the image of the heavenly man, Jesus Christ. That's what redemption is all about. So how do we get back to this majestic state? Not just beauty as the bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. More than beautiful, amen, but powerful and in the power of God's power and in the power of God's abilities. How do we get back to that state? And that's what we're going to learn this morning, how we walk in that ability. I want to challenge you with this phrase right here, and it says, you will become like what you worship. You become like what you worship. Listen to Jeremiah. This is one of my favorite verses out of all of Jeremiah. No, it's not Jeremiah 29, 11. <laughs> this, is one of, this is my favorite verse in the book of Jeremiah. It's Jeremiah chapter 2, verse number 5, and this is the second half of it. It says, they went after worthlessness and became worthless. Mm, come on now. They went after worthlessness and became worthless. You become like what you worship. This is why God said in the first of his Ten Commandments, you will have no other gods before me because you become like what you worship. When they worshiped the articles of Baal and the altars of Baal, they could not see and they could not hear, but they worshiped them anyway. So God had a people who could not hear his voice or could not see him. Come on now, this is getting good. You become like what you worship. And so I want to challenge you, what are you worshiping in your life today? Some of you are worshiping a better career. Some of you are worshiping a bigger car. Some of you are worshiping a better house. Some of you are worshiping a bigger pay raise. Some of you are worshiping, oh God, just give me a vacation in the Bahamas. And everybody said, I'm me. <laughs> right? You become like what you worship. And as much as I love vacations in the, in the tropic areas, I don't want to be sand and water. <laughs> I want to be alive with the Spirit of God. And so if you become like what you worship, they said in Jeremiah, they went after worthlessness and became worthless. So in the new covenant, if we worship after God Almighty, we become like God. I didn't say you become God. 
but you begin to display his majesty, his beauty, his power, and his abilities. Jesus said it himself, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. Not in your name, in his name we will cast out demons. We'll lay our hands on the sick, they'll recover. We'll drink deadly poison and it will not hurt us at all. We'll preach the gospel to all nations and we'll make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, behold, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. And so there needs to be a lot more of that happening than us acting like our favorite TV actors or actresses. And I'll just use this because this is a My Generation show, right? I, it's bad when you got to preface it like that now. This is a My Generation show. How many of y'all remember the show Friends, right? Come on now. Most of the girls are like, yes, I love it, right? And how many of y'all know Joey Triviani? Remember him? And he always had certain catchphrases that whatever he would say, everybody would just kind of follow yeah, how you doing? <laughs> Y'all remember that? And so we act like our favorite actors or actresses because back when that show was going on, it was not uncommon for people to walk up to each other and they knew they were just being silly. How you doing? It, and everybody's like, we would act like that. <laughs> Lord, help us. <laughs> it's kind of like when you look back at the clothes you wore in high school and say, oh, Lord Jesus, what was I thinking? <laughs> right? But you become like what you worship. And let me preface worship. Worship is not singing songs. Worship is what you give your time, energy, and effort to do or become like. And most of us spend more time worshiping a box in our living room with all the junk that comes through it than the book on our nightstand called the Word of God and the power that's in it. And you become like what you worship. Therefore, we got a lot of young girls walking around trying to be a Kardashian instead of a Christian. Come on. And I don't care who that offended. I'm telling you, I don't care. I do not want the young ladies of our church dressing with all their skin showing. I want the young ladies of our church dressing majestically in the power of God. I don't want the young men of our church dressing like the latest hip-hop star. I want the young men of our church to be clothed in the glory of God. And this is what we ought to be teaching our kids. And I want to tell you this morning, you become like what you worship. So I'm going to tell you this next phrase, and it's awesome. God desires worshipers, not worship. If you become like what you worship, that means we are the worshiper. So God doesn't desire our song. He desires us, right? So God desires worshiper, not just worship. God does not have an inferiority complex where you, he's got to have your worship to feel important. God does not have issues with insecurity where if Joel doesn't worship me today, I don't know if I'm God anymore. <laughs> Can I get an oh yeah on that? Come on. God does not have an inferiority complex and he does not have an insecurity issue. So his worship, your worship of him is not what he desires, but you as the worshiper is what he desires. So God desires worshipers, not just worship. And the Bible says in Romans 12, 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Worship. 
So in the midst of worship and you worship God, and if you become like what you worship, God says, offer me your living bodies. This is your proper or spiritual act of worship, God says, because in offering me your body, you are going to start becoming like me. And so God does not desire your song singing. And if you heard me sing, he would say, yes, Joel's not singing today. (laughs) He does desire my worship. He does desire my adoration. He does desire my praise. He does desire me to get into his presence and talk to him. There are some things that I do not like that my kids do, but I love it when my kids are in my presence. Come on. God may not like some of the stuff you do, but God loves you being in his presence because the more times that you're in his presence, the less wrong stuff you do. Your kids don't blatantly mess up right in front of you most of the time. I mean, sometimes they do. Sometimes my kids do. But most of the time when I'm in their presence, they're so infatuated with me, they're not fighting against each other. If we as the body of Christ would get in the presence of him and we're in front of him, we're going to quit fighting against each other. And so God desires worshipers, not just worship. And most of us come into church and say, oh, it's time for worship. And we get to sing three songs and sometimes they'll prolong it a little bit. Oh, worship went long this morning. No, that should be not an issue. You're a worshiper. And if we're singing too many songs, quit singing and come start praying. If we're singing too many songs, open up your Bible and start just declaring scripture. I mean, we're loud enough in here, we ain't going to hear you anyway. Come on. I mean, just start declaring the word of God over Sunday morning service. Begin to worship. So God desires worshipers, not just worship, because he does not have an inferiority complex or an insecurity issue. This is why he desires worshipers, because true worshipers that worship always end up in a transformational experience. God wants to transform us into his likeness. Redemption has happened. From his point of view, we are in the original state. But from our point of view, as we worship our physicalness, which is our flesh, which are mind, will, and emotions, and it's our physical body, begin to be transformed in his presence. Our spirit's there. Our body and our soul are lining up. Amen? In Romans 12, 1, we said, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, and it's a spiritual act of worship. Romans 12, 2 says, um, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you'll know and attest what the will of God is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So your worship leads right into your transformation. So if you're struggling with an issue, maybe you don't need to sing more songs. Maybe you need to truly worship. It says it's true and proper worship. And we must begin to get to that point. Whenever God's presence shows up because of a true sacrifice or act of worship, transformation always occurs. Remember Isaiah chapter 6? Isaiah chapter number 6, verses 1 through 8. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But he says, At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah said, Woe is me, he cried. I am a man, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And God spoke to him and said, Who shall I send? And Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. Oh, come on now. I would love it if you truly touch the heart of God and worship. And God said, who do I send you? He said, I'm here, baby. Come on. I got this. Man, it's time as the church. We don't just worship, but we become worshipers. Because you become like what you worship. So that's Old Testament. Let's look at the New Testament for a minute. 
And the day had fully come, and this was Pentecost. And they were gathered in one place. And in one accord, and suddenly there was a sound of a blowing and violent wind that came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed as tongues of fire separated, and it came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, the two things about that, we always, uh, we always love Isaiah because, wow, that would be awesome. We always love the Pentecost stories. Like, wow, because we know 3,000 people got saved shortly after that. But after the wow factor goes away, I need you to stop for a second and think, what was the start of it? What was the catalyst effect? What was the spark that caused the fire? Because here's the thing. True worship costs you something. True worship will cost you something. And we all love God till it costs us something. We love God because it costs his something in Jesus. But when it begins to cost us something, it, we got a schedule to keep. We got people to talk to. I got a job. I got a career God. I got this God. When it begins to cost us something, we don't like this Christianity thing too much. But worshipers are transforming to the likeness of God. And you know, in the midst of worship, if it costs you something, the presence of God is going to show up on it. I love the story of David in the Old Testament after he had sinned and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the wrath of God was coming on the nation and David went to do a sacrifice and he said, went to a man and said, I need to buy your field. I need to buy this certain amount of stuff to do this sacrifice. And the man said, no, here, I'll just give it to you. You're my king. And David said, I will not give God a sacrifice that cost me nothing. Because if it doesn't cost you something, it ain't a sacrifice. But when it begins to cost you something... It begins to be intentional. Do you remember your first car that you had to buy? <laughs> Not that your mom and daddy bought. Now that it costs you something, you take a little bit better care of it. Now that you have to invest something in it, it's a little bit more important. Now that even though it's not the newest, the greatest, and the prettiest, when your kid spills something in it, you treat it like it's a brand new Mercedes Benz or Maserati. Amen? <laughs> Come on. And so I'm going to challenge you in the midst of you becoming a worshiper, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. And I want to challenge you to not be afraid of the cost because in the midst of the cost, you're going to get the presence of God. And a sacrifice is truly going to be made before God Almighty. And what happens when the cost is paid? This happens. Seeing him changes us. Seeing him changes us. It changes us as Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of the glory of God to another. So what I want to leave you with this morning is simply this. Will you be transformed? Will you be changed? Will you be a worshiper?